Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Hey everybody, this is Eric. We are back, Working Dog Radio. Guess what? This is the kickoff episode for year number two of the Ladies of Canine series. We are so excited about this. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're going to have six episodes for you. There'll be three double drops. Going to be hard to beat, man. I can't wait. This is going to be a great month. It was so good last year. Um, you women should be loud and proud about how good you're doing in this business, in this industry, um, on the law enforcement, on the search and rescue. We're going to have um, handlers and trainers and people that are involved in fundraising and charity and all kinds of stuff. So we got we got some really cool, exciting things coming up for you. Listen, you guys know by now that we do a bunch of commercials in the beginning, in the middle of these episodes. There's two things here. One, patreon.com, Working Dog Radio. We put the episodes up without commercials. How about that? But here's the thing, guys. I know you people. I know what you're doing. You're skimming forward and you're fast forwarding through the commercials. But I'm telling you, you want to listen to these and you want to listen to the ones in the middle of the episode because we put new discount codes. We put new job opportunities, new training opportunities, new gear, new equipment, new sponsors, all kinds of new cool stuff in there. You don't want to skip it because you don't want to miss it, especially the discount codes. So make sure you guys are paying attention. And having said that, we're going to kick it off right now with one of my favorites, right? Uh, RayAllen.com. We've had a great relationship with Ray Allen for a long time. They want you to know that they've heard you loud and clear, and they have revamped their customer service, faster response times, easier to get a hold of them, faster shipping, faster order uh, fulfillment. Um, any kind of issues they had, they ironed it out. RayAllen.com for everything dog related, not just working dogs, working dog, pet, anything you need. I just bought about 300 bucks worth of stuff the other day, mixture of pets and police dogs in one click. I loved it. RayAllen.com. Yeah. So what have you been doing though, by the way? Nothing? <laughs> no. F- fucking, I have a handler school going on. That's it. Yeah. yeah handler I, school, I, having a blast, um, training dogs during up till middle of the afternoon and then training pet dogs. Ah, fuck, it's hot now. So it's we're in the middle of summer. Speaking of the middle of summer, uh, we got hits coming up. Um, it's going to be in August this year. It's going to be at the McCormick Place in Chicago. Um, it moves around. So, you know, one of the things they're really good about is it's not in the same location every year. So every four years, it's probably in a different area, or it's in a different area of the country. And they make it super obvious about... Um, rotating all of their uh, instructors too. So if you come last time they were, say, in Dallas like four years ago, when they go back to that area, you're not going to see the same people over and over again. When we were there last year, there was like 1,200 people, and they're talking about having 13 to 1,500, and we've got 100 vendors in the vendor hall this year. They get ready to have a price increase. And I know you people, and I mean you people as handlers, you guys wait for the last fucking second to do everything. And I know it's not your money, but... The hotel fills up quick. Then you got to walk everywhere in Chicago, which is probably going to suck because it's going to be super hot. So get your tickets booked. It's going to be August 13th through the 16th this year at McCormick Place in Chicago. Go to hitsk9, letter K number nine, dot net. Get signed up. Look at the class schedule. Plan on where you're going to go. And, uh, yeah, submit all of your forms to all of your admins so you can get it paid for. And uh, you'll see us there. We're going to be doing live recordings and come by the booth, get a beer, and uh, have a challenge coin. we got some custom challenge coins we're making. So, um which, we're not uh, we're not giving them beer though, Ted. They have to no, bring no, no, us yeah, beer. no, yeah. That's yeah. Get a beer was, and bring it with you. If that was if that was not obvious, I guess that's my bad. But yeah, no, bring <laughs> us, bring us, bring. All right, so 
uh, one of the booths that's also going to be at Hits, probably right across from us, if uh, if it's anything like last year's, our friends at Dogtra. Um, I love Dogtra, dogtra.com. Great company. You guys have heard of us. So you know, they're, especially you guys, you uh, policemen, law enforcement handlers, their remote is so set up for you guys to have on your gear. There's tons of different uh, Molly gear you can get for Dogtra uh, remotes. The 1900S is the best collar I have used. I love that thing. Their ball popper is all revamped. Um, They figured out anything with a battery should be rechargeable. The ball popper is rechargeable. It's kicking ass. Dogtra.com. They have a discount code, WDR10, for 10% off of any order over $200. Dogtra.com. So this next one is somebody that we, it's new to the podcast uh, or they just signed up. So I just mentioned Challenge Coins. Now, everybody knows that everybody loves dogs and everybody listening, whether you're Search and Rescue, whether you're FEMA, whether you're, uh, you know, Sheriff's Office, whatever, everybody in the public loves seeing dogs. And the one thing that I always see is people handing out Challenge Coins or handing out um, the little like playing cards with the dog's information and all that stuff on it. So one of the new sponsors for the podcast is Combat Bet, which is spelled B-E-T at the end, like you're betting. Uh, they have the little challenge coins that are shaped like poker chips. And ironically enough, they're pretty inexpensive for a department to have for a canine unit. You can have them on their little, you can have the dog's picture on one side, you can have the sheriff's office shield on the other side, whatever you want to do. You can even print on the collar of it. And they do two different versions. So they got the, the ceramic poker chip ones and they've also do a couple of metal ones um so depending on how much you want to spend or whatever else you can get a variety of different things and they can print pictures on so you can get the picture of the dog and the handler on there hand them out to kids when you go do your school demos and you guys look like heroes which is freaking awesome so they're doing a discount code for everybody so if you go to combat bet bet.com and you'll get a discount of 10 percent off of your total order price which isn't a whole lot to begin with so it's Working Dog Radio spelled out. Head over there, hit them up, tell them we sent you, use a discount code, hand out coins to kids. That's all you got to do. That's it. You know, I think our first sponsor that we ever got when we got on the podcast is Arno at ALM. I love ALM. The dude, the dude has been so good to us, so good to everybody. Um, I'm telling you right now, man, you want tugs, and I mean we go through tugs a lot. I give them out to all the handlers when they come through. And I don't use anyone else but Arno at ALM. Uh, his tugs are the best, period. They hold up. They're great. The dogs love them. Everything's great. And I've I've done a ton of social media stuff about his hidden sleeve. His hidden sleeve is so legit. It is yeah. so good. It's the easiest, the easiest one to put on and take off. It is so functional. Like I use it, you know, under stuff as a hidden sleeve, but I use it as a just as a regular sleeve sometimes. Um, it, you do feel it. It does suck. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> but it is a perfect sleeve for what we like to do. He has a discount code WD Radio for 10% off. ALMK9Equipment.com. Hit him up. Yep. One of the other ones that we uh, super like are the guys at USA Canine. So it's no secret that Eric and I have some dogs that bite hard <laughs> at our kennels yep. and True. tear shit up all the time. Uh, my personal dog loves to chew through Kongs, even the black ones. So the guys at USA Canine uh, have the toys that are made out of a different rubber than the famous... <clears throat> the more well-known toy company. They tend to Mm -hmm. last a lot longer. So I use Dutch boxes and I use poppers at the kennel. Uh, We've gotten some that have gone, what, like six months now on ropes with dogs with I don't know how many dogs gone through 
on uh, these toys, and they're still going very strong. So head over to USA-Canine, letter K, number 9. Use the discount code K9, letter K number nine pro, get a discount. They got bombs, they got grenades, they got actual ball shaped ones. They have a new one too, right? It looked like a little rocket or something. So head over, hit them up, get some toys. Dogs love it. You guys remember our episode with Cameron Ford? Uh, Cameron Ford's worked all over the United States. Um, he's done all time, all kinds of multi-purpose canine training. Detection is his thing. It is what he does the most as what his scientific approach yep. uh, has proven like very effective. The things he does. Well, Cameron moved to Las Vegas to join the folks over at Silver State Canine. Um, they offer a ton of stuff. They have a class coming up. You got to get on this quick though, guys. Uh, July 29th to August 9th. 29th to August 9th. It's going to be a handler and trainer's course. You got to get on it. And they're going to rerun it September 9th through the 20th. This is not a cakewalk, but I'm telling you, you will learn a scientific method for this. Um, it's it's good stuff, man. Check them out, silverstatek9.com. Say you can't go to Vegas, can't make it to Vegas. Maybe you don't have enough comp time. You got you don't have enough vacation time. They won't let you travel. You get a hold of uh, the folks at Silver State, and they will send Cameron to you. And they'll do a 40-hour detection dog seminar for you. You can get your all your unit, get all your training group. He'll come to you. SilverStateK9.com. Check them out. Speaking of traveling, October 30th through November 2nd of this year, our friends down at Southern Coast Canine, New Smyrna Beach, are going to be hosting the Hard Dog Fast Dog Competition. It's the Police Motorcycle and Canine Skills Challenge hosted by our friends at Southern Coast, Peggy and Bill and Danny. So uh, I'm actually going to be down there announcing the uh, Hard Dog Fast Dog competition. Now, it's limited to the first 30 canine teams uh, and the first 30 detection teams. And they're also doing a competition the 4th through the 7th, which they do every year, which is a huge odor uh, seminar and detection seminar and competition. And at the end of the three days, you actually certify with NNDDA, but there's going to be 125 teams in attendance, so it should be a good time. Be sure to head over to Southern Coast Canine, hit them up, look at it, and come down and see me, and I'm sure I'll be heckling whoever's going to be decoying because you, <laughs> you it's hard dog, fast dog. <laughs> You're going to get smashed. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Get, be on your A game. Yeah. All right, guys. So, again, we're kicking off the Ladies of Canine series. Ted, what is going on in Oklahoma? Uh, it's hot as shit. So it finally stopped raining, and now that it rained for 30 days straight, it is like being in a sauna. It was 98 degrees today before humidity. I don't know what it was. It was just hot. So <laughs> the dogs were <laughs> melting. Uh, the, detection, the detection runs. Jamie and I are running. Um, a dog I have named Ringo. Uh, and then a dog, another dog I have uh, named Riddick. And Riddick's a 130-pound German, huge German Shepherd. He did about four runs, and then he kind of kind of looked at me, his tongue hanging out of his head, and I'm like, all right, buddy. So I went and put him in the office in the air conditioning. And But, <laughs> I mean, just a lot of reps really fast, and then we put him up, and it's just freaking hot. This first section of time of the year, every year where it gets really hot, is it just everybody freaking melts. So other than that, uh, I got some handler school starting. Um, we got an HRD seminar coming up in West Virginia here pretty quick. So if you haven't signed up and you're going to come, you should probably do that. Uh, and then I've got a decoy seminar scheduled with uh, Tulsa Police Department on October 7th through the 9th. So other Are you going to teach uh, weapon hand transfer bites? 
Uh, I will not be teaching that horse shit because <laughs> we actually do shit where dogs bite people and don't play fuck around. So, uh, no, it will be a <laughs> it will be pertinent case law updates to uh, our district and, or well, our jurisdiction uh, and within Oklahoma. And I think I've got some teams probably coming from Kansas and Arkansas. So I'll do some updates for them, too. Uh, there's been some decisions that have happened, not in our district, but have happened in places on the East Coast uh, that have started to change the way that we should be doing things. And that's what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be uh, specifically for law enforcement about maintaining patrol dogs. And uh, it's kind of one of the things that we do. It's really an important deal. And we talk about it when we go to the HRD seminars, about how important decoys are. And every time we go to, we do one of these things, everyone talks about, you know, Oh God, your guys' decoys are fucking awesome. Which is what makes the HRD seminars run so well is, you know, you and I and, and Ray can instruct and then everyone else is there and they don't have to worry about it. Like the decoys just do, they know what to do and I don't have to worry about it. And mm-hmm. we like in Flint, we just did the one in Flint and every single dog there improved in three days. Handlers did too, but the dogs really improved um, just over three days working with very skilled decoys. So that's what this seminar is about. Sweet. Yeah. If you're a decoy and you're going to come to the HRD to work with us, bring a ton of extra clothes because you're going to sweat through some shit. Um, <laughs> probably yeah. two showers a day. It's going to be, we work them. The, the guys do. We love it though. Um, yeah. We appreciate each and every one of them. Um, I just don't tell them that during the seminar. I'm like, get in the fucking room. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. Next. Next. Dogs are like, <laughs> barely can breathe. Um, Dog up. So speaking of lots of work, so our I, we're so excited to kick it off the uh, Ladies of Canine series with the military working dog handler who's currently doing some contract work. We talked to her for a little bit and got, you know, a, like a 30 second rundown of her history. And I uh, had to go drink two Monster Energy drinks and um, take a <laughs> shot fun? of something to just to smoke some meth just to wake up because I was so <laughs> tired from listening to her workload. Um, but we want to introduce to the world that doesn't know her, our uh, new friend, Jesse Keller. Jesse, how are you? Hi, boys, or should I say ladies? <laughs> yeah, ladies, right. You're, you're, you're not talking to the men. You're talking to the ladies out there. Nobody, nobody wants to fucking hear Ladies anyway, out so. there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how we yeah. go, man. All right. Um, yeah, I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Great, great, Excellent. man. We're so happy to have you on. This, this is going to be a great oh, way to kick off this me. month. No, no pressure, of course. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are a pl- an army of of little girls listening to this. Are like, I want to be her, but uh, oh. don't think about that. <laughs> I'll probably Training, scare them so. all away now. They'll be like, "Don't listen right. to this." <laughs> oh man. So, tip- oh. so well, typically, so yeah. no problem. So typically, what we do in these is we like to have the guest uh, kind of go through a history, like talk a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, how, when you got into the military, how your career went, and we'll see kind of where we land to present day. Um, so I currently live, I'm stationed in uh, Luke Air Force Base out of Arizona. It's in the Phoenix area. Um, but I grew up in Redding, Pennsylvania. Um, it is Redding. Some people like to say it's Reading because it's spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G. But uh, I grew up there my whole life with my mom and my sister. And um, I guess you can say... Growing up is kind of what um, kind of selected my career path. My mom had horses. We had dogs. Um, She was just a huge animal lover. And um, even though we didn't have any strict training as far as like official canine training, um, she actually was a horse trainer. 
So we learned that at a young age, uh, you know, I was always working in the stalls. Um, I was actually highly allergic to horses, but my mom didn't care. She was like, sorry, you're just going to have to deal with it. So I used to have to wear like a mask on my face and take all this medicine. And so it's pretty eventful, but I really liked animals. Um, so I learned to deal with it. We figured it out. Um, and I guess you can say my mom always had chores for us. We were always doing stuff, my sister and I. Uh, I never really got to like come home and just kind of relax. Like I would go to school, then I'd have to go clean stalls. And then um, I worked at a karate studio. I did uh, martial arts when I started when I was nine. And uh, we were just really busy. I never really got to, I guess, be a kid to play video games or anything, uh, which I'm very fortunate for. And uh, I went to high school, really not knowing what I was going to do. I wanted to go to Penn State and uh, actually do a marine biology degree. Was I was really interested into the water and, uh, and to uh, dolphins. And then I was like, man, I like dogs too. Maybe I should be a vet tech. And um, so I was kind of exploring what I could do, but school was really expensive. We didn't have a lot of money. And um, I thought about joining the military. They kind of sold me on school. You can get away. You can do all this stuff on your own. And I was like, okay, I think this is the route I'm going to go. And then when I looked at jobs, there was vet tech jobs and there were canine trainer jobs. And those were really the only two that dealt with animals. And um, so that kind of steered me in that path. And then Army owned the vet tech program. And I was like, I want to be more hands-on, I think, like with a partner. So I was like, okay, I, I think I want to be canine now. I was like, vet tech's really cool. I'm interested in it. But I don't know if that's a career path I want to go. And then my one buddy who was in the Air Force, he was like, don't go Army. You're going to hate it. Go Air Force. So I mean, that was really <laughs> the only thing. And I, <laughs> I went to uh, my recruiter took me to um, Fort, <laughs> Fort um, Dix and uh, McGuire Air Force Base was tied together and I saw how the army lives in the air force. And I was like, okay, I'll go air force. So I really didn't know much about the differences of the branches at the time. We didn't really have much military, uh, except for my grandfather who was drafted. Um, so I didn't really know too much. Um, so I joined the air force. I went to the recruiter and said, I want to work with animals. And she's like, well, the air force only has canine. I'll sign you up for that. I was like, boom. Awesome. My, I was like, so excited. Uh, went to boot camp, San Antonio. Um, I literally went six months right after graduating high school and uh, I do security forces school and I'm like talking to my instructors. I'm like, okay, cool. When do I go to canine school? And they laughed at me and I'm, they're like, uh, what are you talking about? Kid? you got to go to your base. And I was like, no, they, she signed me up for canine. And they're like, oh, your recruiter got you. And uh, mm. so I didn't know you couldn't go canine in the air force right away. Some of the other branches had pipeliners, but the air force did not at that time. So I went to my first duty station in Georgia, Moody Air Force Base, and got assigned to a combat unit. And uh, that was an awakening for me. I was assigned to the H-23, and it was basically almost an all-male unit. Um, we had maybe like, oh, maybe like nine females broken up into our sections. And um, it was a, uh, a – we actually just had our, like, 10-year reunion a couple weeks ago in Vegas. That was epic. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, that unit um, – really changed my, I think, career path and helped me in canine. Uh, the men were very hard on me. Um, when I went down there, I wanted to go canine right away, and the canine handlers were like, you can't come down here until you get upgraded. So I did that. I, I got upgraded, and I said, when can I start volunteering? And they sat me down, and even though I became friends with the handlers, they were, when it came to working now, they talked to me completely different. They were not cool with me. They were very straight in the face. They're like, you'll do your regular job. Um, you'll come down here and all you'll do is shovel shit. We'll teach you how to decoy. You're not going to touch a dog. And I was like, man. And they were just very flat out, very straight face. Um, they're like, you canine leads the way. 
They're like, your fitness needs to be up to par. We've been watching you. Um, my fitness was not the greatest. When we went on rucks, I was carrying like, you know, 45 pound pack and I would fall behind. And um, my teammates, my male counterparts would be like, you're never going to cut it, Jess. Like, we're going to go to combat. And if someone goes down, how are you even going to pull that person out? And I mean, I used to, I used to go to my dorm room and cry. And I was like, I'm never, ever going to be able to make this. And canine was like the elite. And I'm like, I can't even pull my own job. How am I supposed to do this? And this is like the life of somebody. This isn't like, oh, there's female standards and there's male standards. No, there's like, you're going to get someone killed. And that's, I think, what changed my world into female and male and learning what the job really is. And if you want to do a job that is male dominated, you need to be able to perform just like them and perform to their standards. And uh, I, uh, I thank all my teammates who royally tried to destroy me physically and mentally uh, <laughs> to help me to who I am now. Um, so I went down there. Uh, long story short, they put me through a good, a good hell training of canine. Um, I got to decoy a lot. I got to be a spotter. I went on five deployments to Iraq, um, combat related. We worked as an infantry unit with the army and, uh, I always got to be a spotter. My mentor was Billy Ryder. He, um, and then, um, our group kennel master, uh, was the one who actually assigned me to canine and allowed me to go, uh, Michael Sylvan, who still checks up on me now. And, um, they're like, I think you'll cut it. And they really did not approve many females. Um, they just, they just didn't think a lot of them could cut it. They didn't want to put in the work. And I can kind of understand it. And it's not to say that women shouldn't do it or can't do it. But there were a couple that were out there that just felt like, well, I'm a girl and I just only have to do this. Or they didn't want to decoy as much. And But I've seen that in males, too. So um, it just runs both ways. I think it's just the person. But they just typically said, because there's not many women in this career field, we are looked a little bit you know, down upon, I think, at first, and which is fine. But uh, so, yeah, so I did that Went um, canine out of Moody. I couldn't go until my five year mark and uh, went canine from there. And then I actually got my first real assigned dog when I transferred over to Luke Air Force Base. And then I did two combat deployments out of there to Afghanistan, working with the Army, um, the first and the third infantry uh, leading combat patrol. And uh, I got out of active duty. When my mother passed away of cancer, I did go down to dog training school. I worked down there as well. And then my mother got cancer and I moved back to Arizona from Lackland. And, um, and then I had to get out of the active duty because I had to stay and take care of our horses uh, and my sister and I needed to stay here and transferred into the reserves as a firefighter. And now I'm looking at search and rescue dogs and I work a contract bomb dog for right now. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that summed it up. So again, Ted, yeah. <laughs> um, another another theme of people that are big into the dog stuff that started out in horses. Um, yeah. We see this a lot with horse folks. What, what do you think it is? What do you think uh, is the transition? Why why do we see so many horse people doing dogs? Horses are assholes. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> then it hurts <laughs> when they're an asshole. Yes. And I think I think I find, and, and we've talked about with other people, that, that horse people aren't afraid of dogs because they don't weigh fucking 1,000 pounds. True you know, yeah. and if you can deal with a horse you can deal with a dog like if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball so i've heard let's try it we can try it. right so when so when you had to get in shape uh to do all this stuff and they they were pressing you um i can tell from following you on social media and everything that that ended up being a permanent life change for you do you want to get into that a little bit yeah 
I think so. So um, we, uh, the unit down there, if uh, anyone's familiar with the A20, they're a very special unit. And I mean, we literally get paid to PT all day and to play Ranger games in the field. So, I mean, I honestly love it and would go back to it any day now. Um, I hated it at the moment when I was there, of course. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah, of course. So I, um, the, I learned functional fitness a lot. I wasn't really into just the bodybuilding and weight training um, that I've learned in the, in the future or as I changed. But functional fitness was really important to me, being able to carry my rucksack, being able to ruck, run for, you know, eight miles uh, for eight hours, whatever the case may be, being able to carry a dog on top of you when they say, hey, dog's down. Um, I was like, man, so that was where my fitness started changing. I didn't really know how to eat too much there, but it was all combat related, pulling dead bodies. You know, we would have our partners go down and they have their um, flak vest on with all, you know, 210 rounds of ammo, their guns, and you've got to pull them out. And we had to do litter carries. I mean, that's where my fitness focused on. So I, I trained for that. And then doing that, because all the guys were all meatheads, they were like, we're going to the gym. I'm like, screw it. I'm going too. And then I just started training with all my buddies, man. Like I really, I mean, it is truly a brotherhood, sisterhood there. I'd like to consider myself a boy. So a lot of my friends, if they listen to this, they'll be like, oh, I'm sure, you know, I always say I'm a real boy. Um, Cause I wanted them to <laughs> look at me like a true teammate. Yeah. You know, sometimes my nose goes, <laughs> but uh, that was always the, the biggest thing within the fitness and my job was to know that these guys could really count on me. Um, if something happened that I would have their back and that meant the world to me. And I knew being overweight, being fallen behind on, I, I was never going to look or fit that part. They were always going to be worried that I was something that they were going to have to lag or take care of. So that, uh, that really shaped it, and then um, I started learning how to eat right a little bit later, and then I started getting, you know, I got into bodybuilding a little bit later and learned a little bit more on that aspect. But still, all my stuff was tailored more to what I was training for, and then I just used that to kind of shape my body. Um, I'd always, that Luke hated me when I would get ready for shows because our whole canine team was running for miles. I was like, it's good, it's good rapport mm -hmm. building. And then we would run when I was a kennel master here. So uh -huh. they always knew when I was getting ready for a show. <laughs> so uh, what was your first, or well, who was your, uh, your first partner? Uh, my first partner was Oscar and he has passed. He, uh, when I got assigned to Luke, um, I actually got assigned to Mirko, but we um, actually disqualified him. He had a lot of uh, issues with uh, explosions. And then uh, I was on a drug dog for a little bit, but I, we got tasked with two bomb deployments. Uh, and Luke actually didn't do combat deployments. They did like easy deployments at the time, like Saudi Arabia and stuff like that. But what happened was Justin Kitts, my trainer, who put me through hell and is, I mean, an amazing trainer. Um, he took a combat deployment and got attached out of um, Afghanistan and out of Southeast Asia. And, um, he, uh, or out of the Southeast side, he uh, called back when, um, when we were training at Luke. He's like, change everything. They're like, no LE, no nothing. Put them in combat style. And we were like, what's going on? They're like, you all are getting jet tasking, joint expeditionary, and you're getting attached to Army. And uh, that changed everything. So um, I was comfortable in that because I came from a combat unit. So I was excited, but I never led with a dog. So I had to learn that. Um, from a canine side of it as being in the front and telling what the infantrymen to do behind me. So um, Oscar was my first and he taught me a lot. He was like a medium drive dog and uh, he was a shepherd. 
Um, when we deployed to Afghanistan, um, I've never felt a bond between something as much as I did. I've had dogs my whole life. They were always like my best friend. But the bond between this dog that I knew how to save my life and my team's life was just something I, unless you're a handler and you're really in those life or death situations, like most people just really can't understand. Um, we actually got blown up in our striker. Um, Oscar took most of, Oscar and our driver took most of the injuries. Um, and when we came back, Oscar had a slip disc and he was retired shortly after and retired to me. And, um, and then he ended up passing away due to uh, blood in his stomach a couple years later. So wow. When you, uh, when they get, when you hit the, uh, when you're in the striker, did it flip it? Yeah, we flipped. Um, we didn't flip completely over. So we flipped about 90 degrees. It caught on fire. So, we got tasked for a mission. Um, we had intel that there was um, a high value target uh, that was about um, to lay some explosives. We were watching them. We kind of set up like a, a little um, a little site. The enemy was taken out and we had to find um, body parts. And uh, they thought there would be residual on the body parts. So we actually went out on a different type of mission and Oscar found his hand. And um, he, he, he finaled, and I was like, yes. we're at nighttime, and I'm like, I thought it was another um, IED. And because uh, he sat and was staring, and I recalled him back, and we went up and we set up, we sent EOD out, and they uh, sent the robot and they brought back his hand. So the hand had um, all, uh, it had ammonium nitrate, it had anal. So anal was the big one out there, ammonium nitrate and aluminum, and that was our big um, killer at the time. And uh, they brought that back, examined it. That was for future investigations. And then we were getting back in our striker. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better mission. It, we were all like super high, excited. I mean, our adrenaline was just kicking. And uh, we got back in our striker. And I'm normally in the second one, but uh, we had to bring back EOD because um, we heloed them in. So they put in the striker. They um, we brought them in in the striker. And then I uh, I went in the first striker. And unfortunately, there must have been someone watching. They set up a hasty, and they took out our vehicle. Um, and then uh, the vehicle flipped, and where it hit was kind of where Oscar was laying in the middle of the striker. Um, me and my partners, we kind of crossed heads. We were okay. The dog got out. We actually did a 360 search for uh, secondaries. Um, and then we had to put out the fire and we had to get the driver out. The driver was stuck, but we were able to get everybody out. There was no serious harm, uh, just a couple little concussions here and there. Um, and then we had to get a tow vehicle to come and get our, our uh, striker. So a good mission kind of gone a little tricky, but everyone came back home. So that was good. So how soon after that did they get you another dog? Um, so we actually kept going. We had to get checked out. We were in, uh, I was attached to a really small, um, it was like a, a combat base. Um, they called it like an ACS-2 or something. And uh, it was smaller than a FOB. And um, when we were out there, I looked at him. Um, we went back to the main camp. They looked at him, but we didn't run any x-rays. I said, I think he can still work. We actually went back out and I was leaving within a month. So I only had two more weeks of patrols. And then they were flying me back to main camp. So I worked him. I noticed he had a really bad time doing um, long walks again. And I was like, I don't know how much more he's going to make. We're going to have to do like some in uh, intensive uh, kind of exams. And uh, we got back home that month after. Um, and then they checked him out. They were actually going to reassign him because there was another deployment coming. And I said, I don't think he's going to make it. I think that blast really took something out. And... Um, so he actually got reassigned and I got a new dog because there was another tasking that came down. 
and they gave me uh, my last dog, Crash, who was absolutely amazing. And um, Oscar got retired just a couple months after they put him on um, on a cat, which is a category that he could no longer deploy. And then they said he's not going to be good to us anymore. He, his back end just started dropping. Yeah. Did you find yourself having to fight comparison? Did you, uh, my yeah. old dog, my old Oscar, 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 that type of stuff? Oh, my God. When um, my boss didn't want to tell me he was going to reassign Oscar, we were actually getting ready for, um, Lachlan was having a, a DOD trial that they haven't had in years. And they were putting it together, and there were three of us from Luke going. And me and my buddy, Lindsey Thompson, um, he's like my best friend in canine. We grew up together in it. And uh, Justin Kitts and myself, we were all training so hard. And, um, and Oscar just couldn't do it. And, uh, and they didn't have another dog available for me. And then they said, Hey, I think there's an easy deployment coming up and we're going to try to reassign him. And when my boss came to tell me that I'll never forget it. I like tears just came down. I was the biggest baby. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, we just what we just blown up together. And he's like, I'm sorry, Jess, you know, the handlers have a dwell time, but the dogs don't. So I couldn't, I said, I'll take the tasking. I, let me stay with my dog. I'll go back out. And they were like, you can't. And I was like, yes, I can. And man, me and my boss, um, Sergeant Bravo, I mean, he was so sweet, but I just did not want to give up that leash to him. And um, I fought and cried like a big girl. And, um, and it didn't work, but thank God he was injured enough. He couldn't go. So it, it worked out in my, in my favor, <laughs> I guess. Um, but I did get assigned to um, Crash, who um, this dog is absolutely amazing. Um, we actually have two statues made of him, and we're working on a third. And um, this dog is, I mean, he's found numerous amount of explosives. Uh, I mean, he's gotten a combat store, bronze stars, metal. I mean, this dog was fabulous to work. But it was two complete um, different types of mentalities. Uh, one was, you know, kind of uh, a mediocre type of pace. This dog was like a mal in a, in a check chef's body. I mean, this dog was awesome. And he was crazy. He bit me the first day. And then my trainer was like, you better go have a talk and build some rapport we ain't going to be able to do this all day. And uh, so he was tougher. He was a lot tougher to get to work with. And then I fell in love with him just as much. And he was my baby until he passed away as well. Did he uh, retire to you? So um, when I had to leave um, Luke and go to uh, Texas for uh, dog training school, it was great for my career. Unfortunately, I had to leave um, Luke Air Force Base and, um, Crash got reassigned to one of my handlers, um, Scott Emmett, who was a great kid. Um, that was really hard for me to give up Crash, but knowing he's gone to a good handler um, is, is, is really, um, it kind of like calms you down. You know, Emmett put in so much time with him, took care of him. I was just really honored to have that person um, next to work that dog. Um, Crash started having uh, some hip issues with him at age um, nine. And when I went down to Lackland, um, they were telling me that he might be done. Like his hips probably from all the dismounted patrols probably wore in. And um, so they were going to look to put him for uh, dispo papers. And I came back on my humanitarian and I actually finished his disposition. Um, I was going to take him for me, but Kyle Altop, who is my trainer, he um, has always wished for crash. He was his actual first handler who imprinted him so well. And um, he asked me, he said, Jess, I would really like him if he retires. And I said, I'd always promise him I would if I could. So as a kennel master, I did. Uh, I like to say we had joint custody. Um, and uh, we actually did a lot of programs. Um, when Crash retired, he didn't really stop working. He became like an ambassador, I guess. 
Um, we did a Vision of Vets program where it's, uh, we tell a story of how Crash is in combat and it goes out to children through like an app on your phone. And uh, it's really neat. I mean, it was, we went to a school in Prescott, me, Kyle Alltop, and one of my handlers, Kyle Quigg. And uh, we did a demo with him and we brought Crash out and it was like he was a movie star. All these kids knew him from this little story. Uh, so it means the world to, for us to keep on the stories of these canines. And then we also get to tell the stories of the Vietnam handlers and, and where we originated from and to where we are now where we don't have to euthanize all our dogs. We don't have, you know, they can come home and they can live a good life. And a lot of people don't realize that handlers, you know, had to be torn from their partners when uh, we were, when they were overseas in Vietnam because there was no vaccinations back then. I mean, I couldn't imagine leaving my dog over there after he just saves everybody's life. Um, every time I talk about it or read the poem, I always choke up. So even though I'm a real boy, don't get it twisted, but it is, um, right. you get that bond, like you guys know, it's, you know, you just, it's really hard to explain it to others um, that don't get that experience. You went to Afghanistan. Did you go to Iraq or just I did. So when I, okay. nope, I've been to both. Um, when I was at Moody, we deployed every six months. So I was stationed there for six years. So about every six months, we are out the door. So I did five deployments with them. And uh, I was a gunner, I was a radio telephone operator in the field, I was a driver. Um, and then I got to be a, uh, a squad leader. Um, and I actually led a first female all combat patrol. Tell me that ain't crazy. And uh, we experienced crazy. everything. Yeah, that is, I called it the twat squad, a tactical <laughs> women's assault team. Um, <laughs> so we wanted to get shirts made. <laughs> we never got our shirts done, but uh, don't mess with us. I think we all cycled together. Um, so no male team wanted to come mm -hmm. out. So it was, uh, and it was like a male shit talking fest. It was probably one of the best stress relievers I've ever had. So we, and we ran into everything from gunfire to explosives. I mean, everything that could have happened, happened that day. But, uh, but yeah, that was really cool. Um, so I did five tours to Iraq. They were um, anywhere from six months to nine months. Uh, one tour, we went to Balad, and uh, we got extended to nine months. And then um, when I went to Luke Air Force Base, I did two tours to Afghanistan. Uh, and we're attached to the Army in all my, um, in all my tours. So... Even though I was Air Force, I really actually lived more of an Army type of um, career, I guess you can say. Um, in Arizona, though, I learned most of my patrol work and um, police stuff from here through our civilian police department. Uh, I'm very fortunate. We have ALICA, which is the Arizona Law Enforcement Canine Association here. And I've never seen a bunch of canine handlers come together to work together to make people better canines. Um, uh, I'm actually heading out tonight to meet them to go train. They train every Wednesday. And um, it's just a really good community to, um, one, shit talk, and then, two, to really work on your dog and you. So in between the two places, um, what were you seeing difference-wise in explosives being used? So when I was in Iraq, um, the explosives that were being used were more buried. Um, we had ESPs, like uh, electric force projectiles, and those were they were very scary because they were on the side of the road. They would hit the Humvees back then was the big target. Those were the vehicles we used, you know, our armored, up armored Humvees. And man, when they penetrated through, no matter what you had, it took out everybody. It went into all these little projectiles and it was very deadly. Um, so we ran into where we were always searching the sides of the roads. Well, when Afghanistan started in about 2000 and I want to say 10, when that era started, the, it was pressure plate. And that was really hard. So as canine, uh, you lead the way, literally. You're in front. 
So we're having handlers getting, you know, taken off easily because their dogs are stepping on these pressure plates. The handlers are stepping on it. I mean, you're like the dummies just walking. And that, even though you can have the best dog and the best tactics, it's literally the luck of the draw because they could set a pressure plate where you set, but the explosive could be, you know, um, so far in front and you could still get hit by it and you haven't even gotten to it yet. And, uh, and that's what was hard. And we really ran it. They, they were really smart, man. Back in the day, they would put Kongs and toys on top of um, the device to set it off and dogs were going to that. So we, did a, we do a lot of distraction training and recalls at Luke um, because that was a, that was a big um, killer for canines. And uh, in Afghanistan, the canines were still so good at the pressure plates and finding explosives for buried aids. Um, with the homemade explosives really took over in the Afghanistan era compared to Iraq. But, uh, man, they, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard, but they would, our dogs are tatted in the left ear and, um, they all have their numbers, like their social security. And so, uh, the terrorists were trying to, um, have our dog's ear. They would offer money like ransom, I guess, if they could get the dog's ear with the tattoo number. Um, and then if they could take off the handler, that would be the second one. So that was crazy because the dogs, even all this technology came out, the dogs were still the number one source of finding these explosives on all these dismounted patrols. Um, so that, I think, was the big thing. We did vehicles big in Iraq, and then in Afghanistan, we went on foot a lot more. Yeah, and that was uh, – we interviewed Ellie from TrueScent um, several episodes back, but – I guess in Iraq, too, um, because Saddam's military was very mature, it was like, I guess, quote-unquote, a mature military. Or like a, it, was a, it was an actual military, so you guys were dealing with pirated um, actual explosives, whereas in Afghanistan, you're yeah. dealing with yeah. uh, not. Oh, so like you're dealing with HME. Ammonium so, nitrate. Well, they oh, took away God. ammonium nitrate, and then they started using urea. Urea. And they took that away, oh, and then they started using yeah, something else. And so, yes. Yeah. So yeah, we had uh, crazy. yeah. So and I mean, so handling from Iraq to um, then going to Afghanistan, I, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Like you said, like the devices are actually different, but also the the actual explosives were much different too. I mean, they weren't using like normal explosives in Afghanistan. I fuck, no. they still don't. No. So. No, no, I don't know if they'll ever really go back to it because it's so much easier to make. Uh, even though it's a little bit more unstable, like TATP and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of times they end up blowing themselves up with that. Well, yeah, but, that dude blew his um, dick off in New York. <laughs> oh, well, I, I haven't heard that one, but that... Uh, no, he <laughs> made the fucking sugar bomb thing and blew his dick off oh, in the subway, yeah. fucking asshole. But still, yeah, no, it's fucking dangerous. This is why we don't like touching it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He should have he should have used true. Yeah. Oh, you should use true sense. True story. You, 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 you won't. You won't blow your dick off. There you go. So that would be a good advertisement. We tried that. We tried that, and we made it a shirt, oh. and they it wasn't near as. They didn't think it was near as funny as I did. So uh, I thought it was fucking genius. <laughs> Because that dude literally <laughs> blew himself up. Everyone has to know up. the story, yeah. If they don't know the story, then maybe yeah, they're wrong. Fucking Christmas lights and a sugar bomb, and he blows dick off. Um, oh so, my god! <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're gonna take a break for about yes, a little bit and pay some more bills, and when we come back, uh, yeah. we'll pick back up with Jesse about when you get back, and then talk about firefighting and picking heavy things up. So yeah, we'll be back in a second. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, we got a great new sponsor, man. We're super excited about this. I have a 
box full of challenge coins. I love them. Everywhere we go, I'm always asking people, do you have challenge coins, challenge coin? Um, but I don't have one. Working Dog Radio doesn't have one. Torchlight doesn't have one. HRD doesn't have one. So we are going to get those. We're going to get them made. And we're looking around trying to figure out who we're going to use, who we're going to get to make these challenge coins. We partnered up with the good people at Combat Bet. That's C-O-M-B-A-T. B-E-T. And they've got several different cool styles to choose from. They got other things too. They got some cards. They got a lot of different cool stuff. They're giving a uh, discount code for us, Working Dog Radio. Um, I can't wait. Um, We're going to get these challenge coins. And I'm telling you, if I give you one, you better have it. If I see you, I'm going to blast that thing out on the bar and you have to buy me a drink. CombatBet.com. Check them out. They have several different styles of coins. Um, we're really super proud to have them on here, man. CombatBet.com. Yeah, it's no secret that uh, Eric and I use a lot of equipment at either up in Ohio, Venice, or here at Torchlight. Uh, we've been using Dogtriff for years. Both of us have. Um, even before we even started the podcast, you know, one of my favorite products is a 1900S hands-free. I use it all the time, and I've uh, even got a different collar on it so I can put it on dogs super fast. Uh, there's no messing around with it or whatever else, and I just keep the remote in my pocket, and I have the finger kick on my on my finger or on my wrist, and uh, makes it super easy. But Dogs have got several products, and not just for police dogs. You know, I was doing for hunting dogs. They've got a long history uh, with the hunting dog community. But uh, great products, several things for everybody, from pets all the way up to working dogs. And they also have the awesome ball watcher and popper that I use at the kennel. Uh, I think I've got four of those things now. And um, we've got them in box. I've got them hidden in cars, all kinds of stuff. But for uh, listeners, anytime you use the discount code WDR10, you get 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. Bucks, and that's at dogtra.com. Go hit them up, dogtra.com. Hey guys, coming up, it's coming up August, August 13th through the 16th, the HITS conference. HITS is the best conference going. It's the biggest. It's uh, There's only a couple conferences that we back and we sponsor over here at Working Dog Radio based on who runs it, the type of material, the type of training, the instructors, everything they get, nothing shady happening. HITS. Um, I, I can't say enough about the guys. You've heard them on the podcast, man. They're all legit. They're handlers. Um, they're out there working every day with that dogs, with those dogs, and they're putting on this big, huge conference. They got a uh, price increase coming up, man. So don't mess around. This year, it's in Chicago at McCormick Place. Like it's the size of Canton, Ohio, pretty much the entire <laughs> venue that they're going to be at. Um, check them out. Hits Canine.net. Don't wait. Yeah, you know, one of the other uh, sponsors that we have that's also uh, nothing shady going on that we're super happy to have on the podcast <laughs> is Ray Allen. Uh, I think Ray Allen made equipment for um, dogs that are on the Ark. They've been around for so long. Uh, their product designer, uh, you know, Matt, is one of our good buddies. Uh, we love that dude to death. Uh, they do a good job there. They've got that new treat pouch that Eric really likes. Uh, keeps your fucking hoodies from smelling like hot dogs or, or pill jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just ordered a bunch of rubber arms, and we ordered a leg for Eric. Uh, that uh, is good for proofing patrol dogs. And they've got everything, not just for police dogs. They got stuff for working dogs, and they got stuff for uh, for other working dogs like search and rescue or hunting, and then also just for pets. Also, they've got leashes and everything for and harnesses. Just regular collars, everything you need. If you're going to go over there, make sure you use the discount code. Also, Working Dog Radio spelled out. 
the beginning of each letter needs to be or word needs to be capitalized. You'll get ten uh, percent off your first order, and yeah, they have just about everything you need except for the dog and the patrol car. So hit them up and not owned by a uh, somebody that has pled guilty to uh, sex offender crimes. So there's that. You guys have heard me talk and Ted talk about our relationship with Highland Canine. Um, we've done it on social media. We, you've heard it here in the commercials and things. And we do that because we believe in the Pergasons and we believe what they got going on there. Um, they have a school for dog trainers. They got a police dog training school. Um, and, and they started to realize what they were doing was everything was um, basic training for them. And they do have a lot of basic training classes. They take you. Uh, they teach you, say you're a handler, they're training you, and then boom, out you go on the road. But what we see in this business is most guys don't follow up with any kind of advanced courses. So Highland Canine, they're like, you know what, we're going to take care of that. They have started a um, advanced detection, or excuse me, advanced um, canine courses, like a whole curriculum they're rolling out. Back in April, they started with an advanced detection course. Um, they're going to go into advanced skills for every aspect of police canine training. Uh, be sure to check it out. Look for upcoming classes, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's the letter K, the number nine, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Harmony, North Carolina. Check them out. So everybody knows that we uh, love the guys at Southern Coast, Bill and Peggy Heiser, and of course, Danny. But they've also got a second company called Coast to Coast Canine, which handles uh, detection services. And they are looking for two full-time and one part-time explosive handler. So be sure to hit them up and email Peggy Heiser. So you're going to do P Heiser, H-E-I-S-E-R, at C, the letter 2, C, the letter K, the number 9.com. That's C2CK9.com. Shoot her your resume and apply for the jobs for a full-time explosive handler. There's two of those. And then... Uh, a single part-time handler, uh, explosive handler at c2ckanine.com. Peggy Heiser, c2ckanine.com. Go hit them up. So I got a uh, bomb dog in my uh, kennel right now. I'm imprinting her on the seven odors that we use over here in Ohio. None of those odors are the HMEs like TATP, um, urea nitrate, and some of the other ones. We um, are afraid of that shit, and I'm not touching it. I'm not messing with it. But I do want my dogs to, to find it. So looking around, you know, my guys go through some training with the FBI like once a year. It's pretty hard to stay proficient on that stuff. And I'm not messing with that stuff for real. So what do we do? True scent. True scent is a, um, it's not a pseudo odor. It's a simulant. It is real odor suspended in silica. Now listen, they have everything. They have all the explosive odors you want. Um, but I specifically look for the, the HME kits. They got several of them. Um, check them out. Uh, it's, it's real explosive odor. Um, it's good stuff, man. We really like them. You heard Ellie, their chemist, on our um, podcast. We made a whole T-shirt based on that podcast. Uh, it's good type of stuff. TrueScentK9.com. Um, when you get there and plug it in, they do give us a discount code, which is WDR, all capitalized, WDR15. That's a WDR15 for 15% off training aids. Get on it. Yep. So working dogs, whether they be police dogs or hunting dogs or search and rescue, or whatever, have a fantastic 
talent of managing to hurt themselves in magnificent and magical ways. Um, if I could count the ways that my fucking dogs have managed to hurt themselves, it would fill up an entire podcast episode. Not everything is going to require a vet visit. And I'm not suggesting that you don't take the dog to the vet, but stuff that's normal, like hot spots, pad injuries, happy tail, stuff that's just kind of annoying, uh, can turn into serious issues. The guys at Vet Care have produced a, st- a product called Quick Derm that is absolutely fantastic. Eric actually has a guy that's close to him that runs a fairly large boarding kennel. Uh, that had a dog come in that had hot spots already when he got there. And, you know, you didn't want to be blamed for hot spots. So uh, he actually ordered some of the stuff and cleared it up in, I mean, a couple of days. I actually had some pretty gnarly burns from uh, dealing with the dogs at the HRD seminars uh, from doing some of the muzzle work. And I was able to clear up something on my arm <laughs> in about seven days. And it didn't tear up my tattoo, which is kind of nice. So. So if you go over to vetcare.us, it's going to be 10WDR, and you'll get 10% off your first order. And we've heard some rumors that they were upgrading people on sizes when you use the discount code. So head over and put it in your uh, put it in the patrol car, and you'll be good to go. All right, we are back, Working Dog Radio. We are talking with uh, Jesse Keller, who is now in uh, Arizona. Uh, Air Force handler, although spent most of your time with the Army. Um, fucking jokes. So there's going to be so like, why didn't you guys just do the fucking... Okay, anyway, so no, we've had, we've had lots of Army handlers on here. And like you said before, you're like, man, I saw the Air Force lived, and that's where I went. And the big joke's on you. Yeah. Now you live like the fucking Army lives. So how'd that work out? I know. It didn't work out. I was like, ah, I did get away with it. They're like, she's Air Force. She's going to do what she wants. I was like, okay, that's cool. At least I don't have to do everything you guys. So you did uh, how many combat deployments between Afghanistan and Iraq again? Uh, two to Afghanistan and five to Iraq, so seven total. Seven total. So um, you come back to the U.S. and you then go on reserve status because you had an event happen uh, with family. Um, yeah. So you come back and now you're uh, reserve, correct? Yeah. So talk about coming back and um, that process going out and then we'll move on from there. Um, so, uh, in about 2014, I got hit with orders to go to Lackland to be a dog trainer. Um, awesome opportunity. I mean, that's where my career was going to go. I wanted to work at Handler's Course, dog training school. I wanted to stay in canine as long as I could before they make you kind of get out when you start making rank. Um, unfortunately, my mom was sick when I went to dog trainer school, but we didn't know how bad. She had um, stage 5 cancer, but we didn't know at the time what stage it was. I took the assignment. I went there. I came home almost every weekend. And... Um, then the doctor gave her about a, a two months to live. So uh, I worked on a humanitarian. I came back to Arizona. I was lucky to go back to kennel master duties for a little while. And then my mom passed. And when, the, when your parent passes, your humanitarian is up. But I thought they'd keep me at Luke. And um, I got tasked with a deployment again. But this one was not a combat one. It was just a liaison. And I asked, you know, can you guys maybe like change it for me or can I just need like some time to get everything kind of handled. And uh, unfortunately, they couldn't. They couldn't assign it to another base. Um, and then they said, uh, most likely I'm going to go back to San Antonio. They're not going to renew my orders at Luke. So I said, OK, it would have been great for my career. But I had, we had five horses. My mom had like six rescue dogs. I already had like four dogs. Um, my sister had a dog. We all lived together on my five acres in Arizona. Hmm. Um, my sister, um, you know, she's, she's grown, but, um, I don't, you know, we just lost our mom, you know, and she's, uh, she was, um, 
like I think 24 at the time. And uh, so I asked to stay and they couldn't approve it. So I said, I'm just going to get out. I had two, two months left in, uh, before my enlistment was up and um, I just transferred. And uh, in the Air Force, they don't have reserve canine. So I was like, well, if I can't be canine, um, let me see if I can get another kind of job specialty behind my belt. And uh, I started thinking about fire and getting into search and rescue. And uh, so that's what I did. I got fortunate. I worked some strings, um, got approved from fire. Uh, then I went to fire school for about six months. And, uh, and then I became a firefighter out of there. And then I went on orders for about six months here to do my upgrade training. And uh, I just got done doing that in May. And um, so now I'm back to traditional reserve. And then uh, I was doing a canine bomb uh, contract gig uh, in between um, as a civilian job as well. So um, I would like to keep, um, I still train with all the PD dogs, um, obviously still working a bomb dog. Um, and then hopefully um, in the civilian world, um, I just applied for Phoenix Fire. So um, we'll see what happens there in the near future. And um, maybe I can get onto their FEMA task force. So fire school is not fire starting school, correct? No. I got to clear that. <laughs> I wish it was, yeah. That's just, that's the old that cop in me busting balls on a firefighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, I know. I hear the jokes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like it, uh, the firefighting stuff? Is it um, kind of fulfilling some desire? Some because we know what drives us and what drives folks like you. Is it is it doing it for you? Uh, I, I, it is. It's definitely different. Um, I had I, I given them. I'm a hose dragger now, so I never know a leash puller and a hose dragger. I mean, you can't get any better than that. But yeah, it's uh, it was not what I thought. I guess I thought it was going to be a lot easier. Man, did I they open up my eyes to what these guys do. Um, so going down, I mean, it was just a basic DOD fire school for about five months, and it whooped my butt. And uh, I was with all these young kids. I'm not, I'll have to kill you, but I'm 34 now. Um, so I was like 33 going through school, and um, and all these young like 18, 19 year olds. And of course, it's a mixed branch, just like the canine world. So I was used to all the branches. Um, so most of my team was Marines. And, uh, and I had some Air Force, we had some Navy. We unfortunately lost some. Uh, we had a couple washouts in our group. And, uh, and I knew how it was going down there as a tech sergeant in E6. And I knew how the Marine Corps worked, working with them in K-9. And if you don't show them that you can do something, man, these little kids will walk all over you, especially the little boys. Um, so I was very fortunate um, that I played. Uh, I liked playing the games. If we're all going to do pull-ups, I mean, if one does it, we all do it. Uh, you know, uh, when we didn't get along, they let us um, do some team building and run some stairs until I was tired. Um, so it was really good. I was very lucky that I had a good group of kids working with me. Um, they helped me with all my shortfalls, and I, I hope I helped them with theirs. But again, it was another job where it showed me if I can't pull my weight, man, you're risking someone's life or their life. And I think I like that job. So first responder jobs, I think I'm just very passionate about. And then animal training is, is my number one passion. So if I can have both of them together, it's kind of like where I, I think I'm comfortable at. So Sounds like it's definitely um, keeping you busy. Now, are you a paramedic there too or just a firefighter? No, so um, I'm just a firefighter. I did EMT about three years ago, but I didn't do the National Registry. So I'm actually going back through EMT school um, in August through community college because um, you have to have that for civilian fire. And, um, and you have to have your national registry. So Arizona doesn't really have a state test. 
Um, so that's the only way to get it. So I'm going back through EMT school. Once I get that, then I would probably go for paramedics because they, it just seems like firefighters never stop school. Uh, when I was assigned to the loop guys, they were awesome. And um, they are, everyone's in school, whether it's for their degree, paramedic. It, I mean, it just blew my mind. Um, kind of a little different from the cops. I always had to force my handlers like, hey, you can make more money if you go to school. You know, I had to give an incentive. Yeah. But um, the firefighters, you know, obviously medical um, they're always trying to advance on that. So, um, I honestly, man, I've just been really fortunate. I've had some really great teammates, um, through both careers that have told me the truth and pushed me along the way. They never sugarcoated it. And they're like, Oh, it's okay. And they're like, Hey, look, if you don't do this, you fucking suck. And you're going to get some kills. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right, let's figure this out. And, uh, anytime I needed help, they were there for me, you know? So, uh, nothing comes easy to me. Um, if, you, if we ever get to meet or stuff, I mean, nothing. I mean, I, I kick a ball, I'll probably miss it and fall on my face. I have to try <laughs> really hard at everything I do. Um, and that was the dog training. I learned that the hard way. That did not come natural. I love dogs to death, but man, they are a lot different when they're your partner and trying to eat your face off. Um, so, I mean, I, I put it in a lot of hours. I think when you're passionate about something and you want to be good and you want to be a good teammate, um, I think you, you put in the time for it. And uh, I think that's what I like. I like jobs where you have partners and uh, you can count on each other. That brotherhood, sisterhood, I've, I've always loved. Ted, oddly enough, did not do the national registry either, but that's because he thought it was the way for the government <laughs> to keep track of you. True story. He's like, he's like I don't believe in it. Oh, I'm not signing any in? registries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the dude? I, I belong on the list, just not that one. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, for fuck, yeah, man. man. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. I'm like, oh, now I gotta go to school again. But that's okay. All right, maybe I'll get better this time around. <laughs> so, um, in that, this is the um, Women of Canine version 2.0. Uh, yeah. If you had uh, some advice for. Um, women that are listening that are deciding to go to the military or thinking they want to go into law enforcement um, and they want to handle dogs that find shit and bite people, what would yeah. your advice be to get there? Um, I was, I was going to say be a real man. But be a real woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. A woman is stronger than the men, I'll tell you now. <laughs> Um, no, uh, gender neutral, man. Um, I am so pro gender neutral. Um, if you want to do a job, you do a job. It don't matter if you're male or female, whatever the case may be. But for ladies out there, if you're going to do something, know what the standards are for the men and make sure you can attain those. Um, I think that was my biggest thing. Um, when I started testing and doing stuff, I didn't do the girl standards anymore. I mean, I did for official but I always made sure I was numbered and graded on the male standards uh, to my teammates because that's what I wanted to be considered was the same as them. So as a female, um, you need to go in there, and I hate to say it, like, if you show up, ladies, like, these men are going to judge you. It's never going to change. When you work in a world where it's all men and you come in and you're a woman, it's, they're going to look at you like, oh, here we go. Can we talk right? Is she going to report us if we say a bad word? I mean, I've been through it all. Um, and if they only knew, my mouth was probably worse. Um, so you run into that, you know, can these guys trust this woman? We get it more than a typical male would when they walk into a unit. But if you are open and you show that you want to be a strong teammate and you are there and you're willing to put in the time and effort, um, you're, you're going to succeed. I mean, I was horrible. I had my female handlers. Um, I'll, uh, she, I had one girl, Mariah, and she was phenomenal at what she did. 
but she was not strong enough in her physical fitness. I was like, you're never going to make it. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not sticking up with the guys. And she's like, but I get like nineties in the female standards. And said, it doesn't matter. And we went and I put her in a dog suit and uh, I put her in a bite suit and we decoyed a whole bunch of our Wednesday night training dogs. We had about 20 dogs on site from the PD department and she was tired and she wanted to quit. And I was like, really? And uh, so I gave her a break and then we went, both of us went in to do double decoy. And I said, I will stay in this. And I said, if you get out before me, I'm not approving your package. And she thought I was really hard on her because she was a female, but I didn't change my standards on what I thought any of the handlers were. So you have to, if you're a lady, get the whole female part out of your head. Just know that you're going to get judged. You might have to try to prove yourself 110%, but who cares? Just go out there. And if they ask you to do something, don't be scared to do it. I look like a fool all the time, whether it's my muzzle attacks, my bite work, if I haven't done it for a while and I'm catching sloppy, but I need to get out there and do it. The ones that hide behind and don't want to do the training, that's where you're going to fall. You need to experience everything. And, um, and that's really, I guess what I would say, you know, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Eric, Eric, it makes yeah, sense. Eric and I both have female handlers that we've trained. Um, in fact, one of my female handlers just had her first apprehension a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. She had a bite and two. <laughs> well, there was three assholes and two gave up and one didn't. And the one that didn't had, in hindsight, said he wished he had. So um, I said that dog's a fucking mm-hmm. beast anyway. Um, so <laughs> that, that dog's gnarly. Yes. Um, and Eric has a handler with one of his favorite freaking dogs that was a uh, – yeah. his, his handler was a female. Or Yeah, right, Eric? Yeah, she's here right now, as a matter of fact, for oh, uh, really? her new yes. dog in handler school starting for her oh, tomorrow. That is yep. awesome. There you go. Yeah. See? So, yeah, and I'm hard on my handlers too. In fact, the first thing I say during decoy school and during handler school – um, to females that are handling dual purpose dog, not to females, so just to handlers mm-hmm. in general. As I say, don't put your hand anywhere you wouldn't put your dick, and they all look at me. I'm like, well, you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> like, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, hmm. I have a pretty big one, fellas. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, heard it, so. <laughs> I'm like, you know what I mean. That's not what I really mean, but you know what I mean. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I do. Totally. Yeah, I think I've said some of those myself. But yeah, I think it's tricky. You know, Um, this Mariah girl that I tell you about, I mean, I would serve with her any day by my side, because after that day, when we sat and had a talk, uh, she just told me, she's like, I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I guess I just thought, you know, I should quit or you were too hard on me from the other guys. So no, I saw potential. I said, I see a great handler, you know, but I need you to be this, you know, can you pick that dog up? It's 130 pound shepherd. You know, you can't do that. Well, why not? You know, let's figure it out. You may have to do it differently from this big ass dude over here, but we're going to get to it, you know? So let's figure out how we can get you to do it. And, uh, man, I mean, she just turned my eye around. She was one of my first female handlers that I've actually ever put through canine school and approved. And I was just so proud of her. And, uh, I haven't met many actually. Um, but the ones that I have met, I've been very fortunate. My best friend, she is a, a, a an amazing handler. Uh, and, and she's scary herself. I mean, don't fuck with her. Like, I'd be like, ah, oh, be nice to you all day, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I've been, I've been very blessed, but I don't see many in the career field. So it can be a little challenging, but I think that's anything, you know, that you want to do. So talk, <clears throat> so for all you guys, uh, are listening to this. So you've already learned that she did more than most of you have done at this point in your life. Um, she has a bigger dick than you do. We, we've, we've established yes, that. You are my favorite. 
That's right. And let's yeah. talk about those. Yeah. Let's talk about some muscles you got going on. For you guys that don't follow her on social media, and we'll get to that part here where you can find her and everything, but let's talk about the bodybuilding part of what your life. Um, so I went through a uh, crazy divorce. Um, I married the British guy, so don't ever do that. And um, when I did that, I, <laughs> I met an army chick. Um, she was actually a drill instructor, and for whatever reason, we connected right away. And she's like, have you ever thought of bodybuilding? And I was like, eh, I don't know. I thought of it, but my ex was a bodybuilder. And she's like, well, if you're like, um, and she was a vegetarian. She's like, I want to coach a girl who's a vegetarian. So, I mean, we instantly had a connection and uh, I was like, you know what? I'll do it. And it really helped me as I was going through like a, an emotional part of my life to kind of get focused again, because all I did was just throw uh, everything into work when I was going through this divorce. And then all I could do was really control everything physically. So I was like, all right, well, let me try this bodybuilding. And uh, I did it. Um, and I, I guess I did okay. And uh, I'm still amateur, but um, I got sponsored from it. Um, I've gotten to do uh, a couple um, shows. Uh, unfortunately, every time I try to do a pro show, I ended up getting like deployed or something. Um, the military made it a little tricky. Um, but I've been sponsored for years. I'm with uh, a company called Dimatize, and I mean, they, they are really big on supporting the military right now. We're working on a couple projects. We're doing a Women's Strong campaign um, with Oxygen Magazine, um, and that's actually going on now to July, and it's just, and that's actually to show women you can do stuff, and, and the things that women go through hormonally, uh, and that we all go through it, and how we can help each other, and uh, so we're working on that right now, and I mean, I've just I've been very fortunate. I don't know if I'm lucky. I don't know what it is. Um, I uh, took a break from bodybuilding this year just because of firefighting. Um, my last show was last March um, in California. And uh, and so now I'm going to start pushing back into it again. So we'll see what happens next year. All right. It, uh, we'll be crossing our fingers for you. Um, talk about... <laughs> um, like where people could follow you on social media and if there's any part of your sponsorship you want to talk about, um, any um, supplements or anything you represent, anything you want to promote. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, so my Instagram on social media is Keller 24 and um, on my Facebook, it's the same name, Jesse Keller, um, and you'll see, you'll obviously see my face there. Um, but... Um, I'm with a, a supplement company called Dimatize, and um, so you guys can follow them. Women, if you're listening to this, we're running this campaign to July. We're giving out free stuff. We're just putting together all kinds of tips and tricks on how you can attain whatever, how you can attain whatever goals you want. We have a, a Facebook group that's only um, allowed for women. It's called um, Dimatize Women Strong. And uh, I'm working with a company called Vision, Vision for Vets, and uh, they are highlighting all military personnel uh, I am their representative. They did a, a 13 war um, storybook basically with this um, app, uh, live portrait app uh, picture. And I'm the female representative for the Afghanistan war with uh, my canine crash. Um, so that's been a, a big part of my life lately, uh, supporting that. And then, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, you can shoot if anyone has any questions or anything I can help anyone with. Um, I'd love to see the canine community. It's been a great for me. Uh, they've become my family um, as uh, I really only have my sister left. So uh, my canine world and my firefighters mean a lot. So. That's uh, that's pretty cool, man. 
that's a, a pretty good way to finish that there. Um, we wish you the best of luck in all your upcoming competitions. Um, who knows what God. the uh, – have you – real quick, have you decided – have you thought about getting into the training side and not just the handling side? Um, I did. When I was down at Lackland, um, I was thinking about moving back down there. I'm still looking <clears throat> to stay in Arizona. Um, and, uh, and we still all work together and train, but, um, to actually work for a training company, um, I'm still keeping my eyes open. They just posted a job actually. And they were like, are you going to apply, um, to take my old job back down there? And I didn't, um, I just need another year or two, I think here, um, if I do decide to move for that position, but I would love trainer jobs. Um, anything that I can keep my hands on with training animals. I'm actually trying to work on an internship with a, a the zoo so I can start learning some sea lion and otter behaviors. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back on them because I do want to kind of kind of move into the marine mammal that I actually wanted to start a long time ago. So um, it's but yeah, all training, coming full I'm circle. <laughs> yeah, Arizona do- doesn't have too many. We have a couple of training. Um, like uh, Canine Defense is a big training one here, and, and he allows us to come down and train anytime. Um, I just haven't actually like been employed and worked for one. So Arizona's coming around though. <laughs> The water actually. they have in Arizona. Yeah, exactly. My we brother do have so much water. <laughs> yeah. My brother-in-law is actually a zoologist here, and he's always trying to get me, and he takes care of all the, like, the giraffes oh plus everything God. that eats meat. Yes. He's like, oh, you should come out. And I'm oh. like, fuck, fuck that. And he's like, you're no, made no, of meat. Yeah, he, I was, and no, he's like, no, you can help me feed him. I'm like, dude, I get bit by dogs for a living. I don't yes. want to fuck around with shit that I'm, thinks I'm food. I'm like, no, if it can kill me, I'm out. Pass, bro. Whatever. <laughs> He's like, no, they're safe, and I'm like, oh. yeah, exactly. Ask Steve yeah, Irwin. Okay, no, I'm yeah. No, yeah, oh I'm out. Nope. Pass. Nope. Thanks. Nope. <laughs> all this talk of, yeah. of bombs, all this talk of explosive detections reminds me of our friends um, at Tripwire. You want to talk about Tripwire real quick? Oh well, yeah. Tripwire, yeah, they're fucking awesome because it's like Ryan yeah, and Josh man. and the guys, right? And they're in Gettysburg, <laughs> which has got to be the creepiest fucking place oh, ever, and it's super haunted. It right? is a little creepy. <laughs> well, their office is pretty cool <laughs> though because they have like all this like memorabilia, and they have tons of like IED looking things in there, and like all yeah. the training aids and everything else. But uh, Ryan and Josh and the kids at Tripwire, they also put on Bravo Three, which Eric and I were instructor at this okay. year. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and. You know, they are dedicated to first responders, whether it's law enforcement, military, or um, search and rescue, or like fire guys and bomb teams. Um, yeah. They have a specific canine kit. It's really good. One thing about them that's I different know. is, right, they have this awesome delivery service that goes all over the country. And it has like a route. So, you know, you, the kits, like I tell people all the time, like, oh, the ATF thing is not that bad. And I'm like, and they're like, and, you know, the kits aren't that expensive. Until you have to fucking ship it. So the guys from Tripwire <laughs> have a badass facility and are a badass facility and put a badass service that they ship stuff all over the country. Or you can drive or pick them up too if you want. Uh, they're in Gettysburg. It's tripwireops.org. Uh, and then Bravo 3 again. I love that. Uh, I don't know that Ryan has introduced where uh, it's going to be this year. I know he had, it was in Daytona this year and it was cold as shit. But uh, I think he's trying to do it in the southern portion of the U.S. this year. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. But um, Tripwire yeah, We'll get him in Arizona. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Fuck. I'm going hey, to Phoenix. It won't be cold in Phoenix. I... No, you <laughs> yeah. guys can come in all the time. We have the survival seminars coming up in July. And uh, that would be cool. We could do something. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. We have, um, Ted, we got some uh, HRD events coming up. Um When's our next one? We got uh, uh, West Virginia. Oh, listen. Speaking you of guys, shit. 
Right. You guys that are over here. Bring a fucking priest. Yeah. Hey, do you know anybody? Do you you got to tell all your friends back in the Reading, PA area? They need to come over Reading. to Moundsville, West Virginia, in mid July for this conference. What is that? The, it's oh. uh, uh, our high risk deployment police canine training oh, that Ted, me, Ted, and our nice. friend uh, Ray does. We do scenario based training um, for for teams. Um, we have a great time, but the the venue that, that we're going to be oh, doing awesome. using is a uh, an old haunted prison. And um, oh it's huge. You're understanding a little bit. It, it's one of the most haunted <laughs> locations in the fucking country. So like, yeah. it's been on like every oh ghost God. hunting show, and it's got like this famous right. room in it called the Sugar Shack or some shit. Hagner's like, oh, I'm gonna go down there and, <laughs> and throw up. He's gonna yeah, Hagner's gonna go down there and puke well, from drinking. That's true. That, oh that, my yeah. God. So be also sure to true. check us out, oh HRD. God. Yeah. HRDPoliceCanine.com. Yeah. We have several events. Wow. We're booking events for 2020. Get right. on it. Uh, we're kicking ass, having fun. Jesse, this is an amazing episode. Um, yes. Everybody Aww, go and follow awesome. her on social media. Um, we'll uh, put all their stuff in the show notes, and we can't wait to uh, follow you and your career or whatever you would call it as far as the bodybuilding part goes and see where you're yeah. firefighting and animal stuff takes you i'd like to see you working with some Aww. sea lions that'd be cool or <laughs> dolphins or some no to- shit yeah. like that no e-collar on them yeah <laughs> yeah put a yeah. put a 2.25 millimeter prong on that bitch it'll work <laughs> fucking like, sea yeah. lion on a like dog just for me <laughs> that's right dog tra- uh yeah. <laughs> you could you could use the 1900s hands free and put that uh there we go Put the little button on your goggles and fucking see it. It'd be like Jabba the Hutt on a fucking leash. Like, what are you going to do with that? Man, I I do not want to get bit by a sea lion. (laughs) No. No. Ted, where can everybody find you? Really? You can find me on the Instagrams at Ted underscore Summers. And then, of course, we have the. podcast one which is working dog under or working underscore dog underscore radio and then torchlight has its own which is torchlight letter k number nine which um has what i do day to day which is get bit and find stuff uh what about you uh, good job yeah i'm at uh, van s canine on instagram and van s canine academy on facebook van s canine on instagram i'm posting a lot of stuff from the handler class i got going on right now um if you like cute little dogs i also have van s doggy daycare which is one another one of my business. And don't forget us on Patreon, Working Dog Radio. Right. We just posted a bunch of really good videos and explanations of the, some of the scenarios we do. Um, Ted put it up, did a really nice job explaining everything. So check us yeah. out. And Jesse, um, great way to kick off uh, the ladies of canine. You guys Aww. should be proud of this one. Proud of this lady. And you should be <laughs> right. proud of your career. Bring the twat squad. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and thank you for your service and everything you've done for this country. We really appreciate Aww. it. Thank yes. you, guys. I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Good night. Excellent. We'll see everybody soon. Good night. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.